Welcome, White Sox fans, to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Here are your hosts, Ian Eskridge and Danny Miller. Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Hey, Dollsteak, how you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for your flapping meats. Appreciate that. What's up, James? How you doing? Good to see you. Well, Danny, how are you? Mr. Danny Miller, co-host. <laughs> I'm all right, man. You know, uh, if uh, any of you, I know James uh, saw some comments of mine in a post on the old uh, Book of Faces. Mm. And, uh, you know, in typical Danny fashion, I was uh, a little, let's just say I was a little uh, busy and, uh, you know, running a little bit behind on my way home from work tonight but uh you know i'm here man and i'm i'm doing okay i uh got to uh enjoy a little bit of a late birthday weekend with the wifey this weekend um hmm. she uh, treated nice. me to uh a nice juicy steak dinner at Ooh. uh Craple Steakhouse juicy uh you know it's a, a a popular spot here in the southwest side in the southwest burbs and uh you know from there we went to a blackhawks game which she surprised me with tickets with earlier uh in the week so wasn't expecting that and we got to see a blackhawks winner on saturday night so all in all it was a good time went and uh hung out at a you know local uh proprietor of libations afterwards and uh you know there was a there's a handful of uh folks that i know that have birthdays all in the same week and actually on the same day as mine so you know we kind of did like uh you know there was a birthday party for one of them that you know i might have invaded and uh enjoyed along with her spent some time with uh white sock daily owns mike mark or pardon me mark or you know donuts yeah donuts 33 and his wife uh were putting this you know little party together so yeah it was a good time man all in all good weekend and, uh, you know, of course, all the White Sox news that has come across the wire oh, here in the last few days. Yeah. I mean, just so much to talk about. I cannot wait to get into it, man. How you doing this evening, brother? I'm doing all right, man. Um, I had a uh, a show over the weekend that was fun. Uh, went and did a uh, holiday party with a band that I worked for and uh, had some celebrities in the house uh, justin allgaier's uh dale Earnhardt jr's driver was there and uh uh espn's nascar team was there just hanging out enjoying the festivities and whatever so that was kind of cool um yeah and sounds like fun rudel's birthday was this week so you know we had family over and that was good um happy birthday rudel's yeah so you know uh like like you said uh you know, there's been some White Sox news in the last week, and uh, you know, and obviously that uh, that one guy signed his contract today and uh, is officially a member of the Dodgers. So we'll get into that in a little while. Um, and you know, I have seen some of the uh, some of your comments on the whole thing. So I, obviously, I want to get uh, your take on the whole thing because um, you know you're all fired up about it to a point anyway as as much yeah, as you can well uh, let me preface this by saying that you know as much as my comments you know and i'll get into those comments in just in here but 
Uh, you know, I just, you know me, I like to play devil's advocate with everything. Uh, I, you know, I like to kind of weigh things from both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, I could care less <laughs> about, I should say I couldn't care less about how much money Shohei Otani signed for and what the Dodgers are paying him and how they did it and how they found loopholes around whatever, you know, CBT, uh, CBA, uh, you know, threshold loopholes and, and, and whatever to get around playing, you know, the AAV and deferments. I don't really care about any of that stuff because, honestly, we knew he wasn't going to sign here on the south side. You know, I could see maybe Cub fans feel a little weird about it because they were rumored to be in on the bazaar. But uh, there you go. A little floating baseball for now, you there. You're, but, you're telling me that the White Sox were not going to sign Otani? Well, you know, after seeing the way Shocking. this contract was, uh, you know, it, it 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 is something that maybe the White Sox brass didn't realize they could do because this is their kind of contract. Yeah, I want to get into lie. that a little bit later. I at least want to get into the, uh, <laughs> the stuff that matters to White Sox fans uh, now, uh, and then right. we can go off on into that rabbit hole. I don't want to get too far into that whole thing. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, my original take on this was, like, how the hell are the Dodgers going to make this money back? And, you know, how was the entire world saying that it's a, a lucrative deal? For not only Shohei, but the Dodgers as an organization, uh, it took me a little bit of time to wrap my brain around it. Uh, after seeing now how things are structured, it makes a little bit more sense. But at the same time, it just seems like an awful lot of money. And I don't know that I agree with any pro athlete being paid that kind of money right now, where we're eclipsing the next closest deal by hundreds of millions of dollars. But it's not my money, so I digress on that whole thing. Uh, I am a little kind of saddened by how they uh, seem to have circumvented the uh, tax threshold by deferring all this money and getting uh, an, an additional $24 million per year discount on that, which to me is huge because that's a, oh, I don't know, that's a top-end rotation starting pitcher. That you can add without taking a hit. What's up, Xavier? How you doing? You know, so, uh, you know, there. It just seems it feels dirty to me. Uh, you know, well, now that we've got like... that entirely out in the open, <laughs> um, I just feel. I just feel like it's it's. Uh, I it just feels dirty to me. It just, it just feels like if. Seventy million AAV should be seventy million AAV, but you know, whatever. So go ahead. I'm sorry. You, you done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Hey, you asked, man. I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> so, oh. uh, White Sox made another trade. With the Braves. Pork chop. Go figure. What's up, brother? Look at that. Beef loaf's got, you, got your back. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Thanks, Beef. All right. Uh, another uh, trade made with Alex Anthopoulos. Um, and, you know, uh, at this point, I mean, like, it, so everybody uh, was kind of worried about the White Sox having a, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, first catcher because they were not uh, ready to bestow their faith upon Corey Lee. And uh can't imagine why. Yeah. Uh well Chris Getz has uh you know he's made a deal and he picked up Max Stassi. I still um, can't get enough of that pick of Getz, by the way. <laughs> if if you guys I mean, if you're not you know. watching us live, if you're listening on the podcast, you gotta get in here live just once and see. All the great stuff that Ian is doing with our it's a, it's a live good face, show here. and you know, I mean, he gets he gets mad every once in a while as well. So I do um, like his alter ego as well. Yeah, his alter ego is good, uh, but I don't think that this particularly calls for that. Um, no. However, um, this is one of those deals where I, you know, I'm not mad that they got another catcher. Um, I'm just not. Uh, even remotely excited. I uh, didn't play at all last year. Um, had a, a a hip for the first half of the season, and then uh, him and his wife had some sort of complications with uh, child, you know, birth issues, and uh, you know, which is you know brutal and not any fun at all. Um, and I don't blame him for taking time off. Uh, but when you look and you see that. You know, in 2022, his slash line was 182, 67, 303. And uh, in 2021, you're at 241, 326, 426, which, you know, 752 uh, OPS, not terrible. You know, and his, he's had a, a couple of years where his uh, OPS plus, WRC plus are, you know, above average. Um, however, you know, the, uh, he is, consistently been a, a a time split guy you know um and i wouldn't expect him to be any more than that uh as i assume that the white Sox want to get Corey lee the all-important uh you know platoon starts if you want to call it a platoon i mean it, i don't really know is that i could necessarily put Corey lee in any kind of platoon whatsoever because you would think that he would have to hit against one side or the other to be in a platoon so um, I am not exactly, uh, is that, is that how that works? I mean, usually, <laughs> uh, you, you have to hit one side or the other to be on a platoon and, um, he doesn't do either well. So yeah, he, do, at he least doesn't really do to this either. point. Yeah. I, it, you know, and I don't know the, the Max Stassi thing, you know, he does, he does take walks. He's a decent catcher, you know, um, I just, uh, you know, it's just uh, another one in a uh, increasingly large string of deals for players that don't hit. And, uh, you know, I mean, defensively, he's he's okay, you know. But uh, 
One of the things that Chris Getz said about improving the defense was because he wanted to get pitchers to be comfortable with coming to the White Sox. My question is, is are any pitchers going to want to come if you score two runs a game? I've asked it before. I'm going to ask it again. Uh, I have zero confidence in this team scoring any runs. Well, unless Luis Robert is going to go out and hit 160 dingers this year. I don't know if two runs a game is even feasible looking at this uh, lineup the way it stands right now. I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, eesh. Yeah, it's it's rough. Um, you know, and generally, you try and protect your hitters. Um, I mean, right now, what Luis Robert is going to have for protection, he's going to have Eloy and Mankata and Vaughn are going to be you know, on a little island. And, you know, one thing that we've complained about with the White Sox is that, you know, you've got a black hole in the lineup here and a black hole in the lineup there. Well, right now you're looking at about 50% black hole. You know? You know, it's funny that you you use the word island and Andrew Vaughn in the same conversation because I'm sure Beef would say it looks like he's standing on an island when he stands at first base. Yeah. <laughs> I, I You know, I'm just... I don't know. At at this point, like uh, I, and, and you know, like I said, I'm happy that that we have another catcher, uh, somebody that can come in and play right away, assuming that he's you know not hurt. Um, let's see. Uh, a comment here from uh, James uh, with the White Sox looking like a 100 loss team. Would you look at what they could receive for trading Robert? I mean, I don't. I, I they said that nobody's off limits, and that's uh, oh, a great question. I mean, it is, but at the same time, you know, I've I I've heard Beef Loaf say uh, actually on the Aju earlier, which is on at six o'clock on Mondays, um, usually. Um, tiny, tiny Andrew Vaughn. Um, <laughs> you know that he likes to have, um, you know, a star on the team. And uh, I was talking to some friends of mine, and they were saying about the Shohei Otani deal, not that I want to get into this until uh, a little bit later, but um, that they, some of them were happy that uh, one of my friends said, hey, people like to see superstars. And I said, well, I'm a White Sox fan, so I get one superstar, so I like watching superstar. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, singular. With, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um the, you know, if if they trade Luis Robert, there is zero really for a White Sox fan to show up and watch. You know, and no, for yeah, you're, you've got that right for season ticket holders. You know, what do you have to sell to season ticket holders? What kind of enticement is there to sell? any kinds of tickets, whether it's season ticket holders or even single game for crying out loud, when you right. have not even one very good player, you know? Oh man. I mean, you need to come out and see Eric Fetty, the uh, KBO equivalent uh, to the Cy Young last year. So, I mean, he, he you know, may, I, he, he very well may be fantastic. Yeah, and, no, I am just being but if you score two runs a game, doesn't matter, you know. 
is is yeah no i agree with you 100 percent because I, you know and and let's be honest baseball has been kind of you know up until maybe recently with the deadening of the ball but you know for many years there they were trying to make the game a more offensive game because that's what they thought was going to keep fans invested right and garner new fans and younger fans is high scoring uh more home runs you know just the exciting fireworks plays and and you know balls going out of the yard and now we've kind of deadened the ball and the white Sox don't really have any bangers besides Luis robert uh you did mention Eloy. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there still that Aloy isn't part of the White Sox organization come opening day. So I'm with you 100%. Like, we have to definitely keep a guy like Luis Robert on there. Uh, I think my only answer to uh, James's question is, is <clears throat> and we've said this many times on this show, is if you're an MLB GM and you're not listening to every offer, no matter who the player is, you're not doing your job. But having said that, it is going to take a monster of a package to pry Luis Robert away from the White Sox organization. And it would have to be one that would be so monstrous that it would be it would keep fans invested in this ball club. Otherwise, yeah. you're gonna lose a, a ton of your fandom, which I mean, let's be honest, is already kind of teetering on the brink right now yeah you got so many people saying that they at this point they're kind of like at the end of their rope and they're like as you know as long as jerry's still here i don't want to have anything to do with it which you know i'm not going to tell anybody how to fan um but that's just kind of the state of state of affairs uh james says i just worry that robert is injured injury prone 2023 was his first year being relatively healthy still missed 17 games hey 17 games is nothing in this day and age uh to be honest but um you know you're you're Concerns are valid, you know. Um, you know, we've had uh, groin issues. We've had, uh, you know, a ductor or, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of midsection injuries, um, thumb injuries. I mean, the guys had a plethora of injuries. You know, yeah, your concern is valid. I mean, just the the, the problem here is that, Getz says that he's trying to retool, not completely rebuild. So if he trades Luis Robert, and when you talk about a haul, is it going to is the max value that you're going to get for a Luis Robert? Is it going to be trading for mediocre pieces that are major league ready already? Because generally, when somebody goes to trade a trade for a player like a Luis Robert it's top prospects and right and at this point the, the only top prospect I want for him is Jackson Holiday well yeah good luck with that that's and nobody's that's you're not going to pry him away from uh Baltimore so I I mean honestly you know like I said you're listening to all offers but unless you're getting that type of player back it's going to be a no all day long and yeah, that's that's exactly my thing. Is that I don't want to let uh, Luis Robert walk. I don't want to let a Dylan Cease out of here unless we are getting something. A getting a good prospect 
and B, also getting a fairly decent, you know, at, at least replacement level major league starter at one of the positions right. that, that the White Sox are deficient at. And that's that's the problem where you're going to have a, a – you're going to have an issue finding a, a partner that is willing to do that and not just a bunch of prospects, you know? Right, and I, I feel like dealing Dylan Cease right now would be making a move just to make a move, honestly, because you'd be selling low on him after the season he had last year as opposed to maybe if they sold him off uh, – last offseason this past offseason you would have gotten quite a bit more with the extra year of control and the season that he had in 2022 uh unfortunately 2023 was not as uh lucrative as far as performance for him and uh you know usually when you're looking for top tier prospects and major league ready talent to come back you're looking for some sort of uh uh an extended look of, uh, you know, high performance and recency bias is going to kick in. And unfortunately the most recent performances that we've seen out of him, you know, he wasn't awful, but he wasn't, you know, top handful Cy Young vote getters either. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's <clears throat> necessarily, you know, that recency bias is going to come that much into it. I, I think that, you know, most of the people that are looking are, are thinking that, Dylan Cease is at least, you know, at least a, around a number two. You know, they might, he might not be the the ace type guy that they're looking for, uh, but you know, he's a at least a number two. You know, a, a right, very solid right. number two. And uh, uh, James, I you know, I'm not hearing anything about a potential Cease trade at all. I mean, um, you know. I, I see a lot of impatience when it comes to uh, people <laughs> saying that uh, Cease needs to be dealed or dealt. Um, but at this point, you know, uh, I guess it's all what, you know, gets is trying to get for Dylan Cease that's going to uh, dictate whether or not he, he sends him on his way or not. And, I mean, I, I'm fairly certain that he will be traded. Uh, I just don't know uh, that there's going to be – you know, a a perfect, you know, match for them unless you go the route of prospects. Uh, Beef Loaf chimes in. If nobody is giving up a good package for Cease, I won't hold my breath on a package good enough to get Robert. There you go. 100% agree with that. Um, it's, you know, when you're trading for top talent like that, if you are not looking for top prospects, I don't know what kind of value you're going to be able to get that's going to that somebody else that's trying to get somebody like that uh, is going to give up major league talent because they're also trying to win playoff games and, and get right. into the playoffs, you know? So, yeah, when you're trading for a guy like Luis Robert or Dylan Stees, you're looking to improve your roster. You're not going to give away pieces that are going to help your roster. It's very difficult to find that type of trade partner yeah. and still remain relevant. You know, on the White Sox end, right? Yep. You know, uh, and like you say, if if they were to trade either one of these guys with a quickness, you know, if they were to, were to try to jump out there and get it done faster than, or at least as fast as White Sox fans would seem to want, you know, that kind of thing to happen, uh, you are in the you are in the point of full on rebuild, and we're back to square one. 
where we were in 2016 and you know 2017 and we're looking at a, a four to five year process before the white Sox are opening the next window of contention and uh, i don't think that would sit well with fans at all after what we've just went through the last you know six or seven years yeah no i mean most of the people that i have conversed with and uh have heard uh you know putting their opinions out there is that if it's a rebuild they got no interest no point so, and I, you know, I honestly can't blame them. Uh, it's it's been a tough watch. It it's been tough for all of us. You know, uh, Beef Loaf being here in the chat, uh, we'll probably tell you it's a grind for the podcasters and the bloggers and everybody else to continue to keep doing what they're doing and and keep a, you know, try to keep a positive face on things. Some of them haven't. Some of them completely lost their minds and gone off the deep end, and that's fine. I understand that too. Like you said, podcasting in general. Well. That's the thing. There's also been a lot of them where just dropping off the face of the earth as, uh, you know, they don't even want to talk about the White Sox anymore. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like you said earlier in the show, I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan you do you. And I can tell you right now that my grays are coming in quicker and thicker than they ever have before. But I'm here for the long haul, brother. So let's just do this thing, man. All Hopefully right. Hopefully the White Sox can do their thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, hopefully there's some. If if there is a a Dylan Cease or a Luis Robert trade, at least there is something that is worth it for enough for the fan who does feel that if it's a rebuild that they're gone, um, that there's at least something to hold them here. Um, I just don't, I don't foresee there being a return that's gonna that's gonna do that. But uh, yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, well, my either way, my talentless podcasting behind will be in front of this camera whether anybody's here to watch me or not so fair enough <laughs> uh all right so uh moving along here um so today uh francis romero uh on twitter uh insider of uh, all things uh of the international market uh announced that the white Sox are favorites to sign jerks and profar's youngest brother Jerdrick Profar for around $700,000 uh, when the new period opens on January 15th. Um, he's from Curacao, just like uh, Jerickson and his other brother. Um, great multi-tool talent, average speed, contact, arm, 2020 potential player. You know, Missouri, show me state. Um, we've seen the brothers and sons of all sorts of uh, major league players players uh we've got wilford veras uh fernando tatis's uh nephew uh fernando tatis jr's cousin um we've had uh elijah tatis no more uh we no had, more of a fan favorite than a, a certain someone's uh brother-in-law though oh uh yonder alonso <laughs> yeah we've had that as well. um oh one thing i did i did forget to mention about max stassi is that chris Detts chris gets just just missed the window there of trying to get a catcher that Shohei Otani was comfortable throwing to in Max Stassi. Uh, unfortunately, he missed that window, and Shohei, uh, because of that and probably because of an incentive-laden contract offer from the White Sox, uh, decided to sign with the Dodgers. Um, so we are... Um, again, with the uh, the brother-in-law 
and not the uh, not the the brother. Um, so, anywho, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Jurdrick Profar. I don't know. Is it going to amount to anything? It's just kind of one of those things where, you know, again, we wait and see. Sox traded for Max Stassi, who had a better year overall value. Uh, who had a better year overall, Stassi or Austin Hedges? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I would say, I mean, neither one of them generally hit, uh, but I would think that Stassi, I mean, Stassi has shown a little better uh, with the bat, but uh, not as good with the glove, I don't think. Um, overall value, that's a that's a good question. That's a, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I kind of think it's possible that it could be a toss-up, really. I guess it depends on how well Stassi hits. You know, if Stassi, you know, goes back to his uh, 2021 number, um, you know, then uh, then you've got a plus because he hit pretty well uh, for the Angels in his first year, and um, they extended him for three years, and then uh, <laughs> that didn't work out so well. Um, yeah, if we could get a catcher that would hit for a 750 750- OPS plus, uh, or you know, 750 OPS on a regular basis, and has a glove, and has and yeah, it can it can be a defensive catcher. I think White Sox fans would be thrilled, but you know, uh, the bat needs to show up. That, that's just all there is to it. Yep, yep. So uh, here's uh, Jerdrick in catcher's gear. Uh, which I wasn't expecting. There you go. But, you know, hey, um, you know, maybe. 2027, starting catcher for the Chicago White Sox. Sure, why not? Uh, Actually, speaking of, uh, (laughs) Baseball America did release their 2027 lineup. I'll bring that up in a few minutes here. Um, But, uh, and there was another announcement made uh, by Francis Romero. Yeah, 750 OPS plus. Glove sounds lovely. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I don't know. That's uh high in the sky. Uh, Chicago White Sox are the favorites <laughs> to sign Venezuelan third baseman Eduardo Herrera, one point six to two million dollars. So this is a new and pleasant development. Disregard the second half of the sentence because uh, Fernando Cruz is has been a favorite to sign with the Cubs for like four years. So there's no shot that he's signing with the White Sox and especially not for 1 million because uh, I believe the Cubs have him for like uh, somewhere around like three and a half to $4 million signing bonus. So he's not signing with the White Sox. Uh, But Eduardo Herrera, um, number 11 overall MLB pipeline, international ranked player. Um, Again, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about him. Uh, I've seen a like a little tiny scouting report about him here and there, and um, you know he's uh, gotten a little too big to play shortstop. He started as a shortstop, so the glove's pretty decent, the arm's pretty good, um, but he's a little bit too big. Uh, stop me if you heard that before. A little bit too big to be a shortstop, so they moved him to third base. Um, so again, uh, we shall see uh, where he ends up, and. Uh, you know, this is a, a little bit of a different thing, something that we're not used to seeing uh, with the White Sox, that they are signing a young international prospect and one of the ones that's ranked pretty high in the list of 
international free agents. Um, usually when the White Sox sign up for a guy like that, it's somebody like a Luis Robert or a uh, Oscar Colas, you know, a guy that's a little bit older, uh, quote-unquote a little bit more mature, uh, which as we've seen that that doesn't necessarily translate just with the age right? Uh, with a bunch of these guys that they've been signing. Um, I will say uh, Lloyd L. Chapay was – Pleasant, uh, you know, like the the results uh, started off good, went down, came back a little bit towards the end of the year. But uh, he seems like a pretty well liked guy in the in the clubhouse. So, I mean, yeah, I think there's something to be said about getting these guys when they're a little bit younger too, because the whole process of you know coming over, uh, for, you know, internationally and and doing that whole thing where you know contracts get a little goofy with tax purposes and. Uh, you know, playing time kind of gets halted, you know, like we saw with Oscar Colas. Uh, this, you know, when you get them younger, it gives you an opportunity to kind of give them some time to get comfortable, and you're not trying to force them up to the major league roster quicker than needs to happen, right? So they can come over here uh, and, you know, kind of get familiar with the organization, hopefully get comfortable and get back to baseball and learn without being pressured to, uh, you know, climb the uh the ladder through the system yeah i mean and that's a that's another thing you know like when when you talk about this kind of uh thinking that you want to shape a player this kind of brings uh along beeflo's favorite coach that has been hired this year um with the uh the major league coach um grady sizemore and uh you know, that might be the kind of guy that is exactly doing things like that. Not necessarily, obviously, with somebody that young, but, uh, you know, with guys that are coming up to the majors and guys you're trying to shape and give a routine and trying to help them build their skill set going into uh, be- what is hopefully a long career. Uh, yeah, Grady. Grady. Um you know, a, a long career as a major league baseball player. If they don't know what they're doing when they get there, a la apparently Oscar Colas uh, showing up, not having routines when he gets there, um, not able to uh, figure out exactly where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there, um, whether it be personal schedule, whether it be in the field. Um, that's That's an <laughs> issue, you know, and that kind of seems right. like – that's my guess as to what uh, Sizemore's role is going to be as a major league coach. Um, I mean, you would think that they would have like at least some ability to give these guys direction when they come, but apparently we needed to hire a special guy to tell these guys where they need to be. Well, you know, I mean, all that sounds great. And, and I think you're probably onto something. But, you know, at the same time, we've talked about it before, where just having somebody uh, that is a little bit younger as opposed to an aging coaching staff, that they can't really relate to some of these younger guys as well. And not only that, but the recognition of being a, a, a more recent player than, say, I don't know, Tony LaRusa or Daryl Boston or, you know, any of those guys who who are just areas, the Tony Turkey Trot. Um, 
you know, I, I think that that also lends to a bit of the comfortability that uh, these guys can expect. And, you know, maybe you hope that maybe they even recognize Grady Sizemore from watching baseball when they were, you know, in their younger days. and If they could get him when and, he was healthy. Well, <laughs> there is that. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I just, you know, it, it's just nice to see that uh, there is a new direction. So, you know, whether or not that new direction works, we'll see uh, how all this stuff pans out. But it, it feels like the White Sox are, instead of going out and doing the same thing over and over again and failing epically, you know, they're trying some new things. Whether or not they work is a whole other story, but they're trying. Yeah. Uh, James Hesterman asks, what does Jose Contreras do? Um, so generally from what I've seen and, uh, how much, how accurate this is, uh, to, you know, or to what point we're talking here. And there were no results from Norhe Vera. Um, but the international pitching guys generally do see a fair bit of Jose Contreras. Um, and he is a pseudo mentor to these international signing guys. Um, you know, as I said, there were not uh, favorable results out of a Norhe Vera, but um, that seems to be his role is that uh, he's helping them assimilate. And, uh, you know, somebody that we should probably get on here at some point to Find out exactly how all that stuff works is Aaron Santana, who does the uh, basically the uh, the international prospects and has, you know, helps them with their uh, English and gets them working through all those programs. Should probably talk to her about about some of this stuff because she would certainly know better than I do. Um, But, um, yeah, that seems to be his role. Uh, You know, I mean, he is a quote-unquote ambassador just like Jim Tomey. So he's kind of one of those things where he shows up and uh, when every, you know, like spring training, everybody's together. He'll walk around, talk to guys. He does give pointers and stuff like that. Um, From what I've heard, Jim Tomey does exactly that where he'll get into the cage with guys and he'll work with guys. So, I mean, they they do do things, um, but to what extent I couldn't exactly say, you know. So, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the 2027 lineup was, uh, well, actually, I guess I'll start it here. Uh, Baseball America did put out their top 10 White Sox prospects list. Um, and forgive me because I am, uh, just ripping some stuff off here real quick before I pop them up there. Um, ripping some stuff off. Yeah, you know, I just, I don't want to just... Uh, get, the, get the air freshener out, man. I want to get the whole thing up there instead of... Uh, just start spraying. Instead of just putting nobody, up... Uh, nobody go in there for 35, 45 minutes. Nobody go in there for about 30, 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> go ahead and do that. My apologies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me just go <laughs> ahead and add that. I'll add all three of them, and it's going to be amazing. You'll see. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. All right. This one. 
Boom. Go to there. Get us out of the way. All right. So we've got our top 10 for the White Sox prospects for, uh, from Baseball America. Got Colson Montgomery at number one, Noah Schultz at two, Nick, Des- Nick Nestrini coming in at number three, Brian Ramos at four, Edgar Caro at five, Jacob Gonzalez at number six. Hmm. Um, it's interesting. I was, you know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was a little bit shocked to see that he's still there uh, with the fact that we've got uh, number seven, Jake Eater, number eight, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say, Eater, should, I think both of those guys should be leapfrogging him. You know, uh, I think that there is a uh, a considerable amount of um, latitude being given to Jacob Gonzalez due to uh, playing a full season of college baseball and then a uh, full season with Team USA as well. And uh, the fact that he's had results in all of those places previously, that they didn't want to use a couple of, you know, it was essentially boils down to a few weeks at the end of a single-A season to, you know, say his you know what his worth is they're going to give him time i don't think that they're going to say yeah he's right. already fallen out that quickly i mean he was technically a first round pick uh regardless of your feelings on uh whether he should have been their first round pick or not uh or whether right. he should be a first round pick at all um uh, but uh you know he does have that uh that pedigree so i don't know we'll see uh we'll see where he you know where he ends up uh coming through um, yeah tough to dig a guy when he's he's basically played an entire year of baseball where it's the most baseball he's ever played in a single year in his life. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, but you know, I, I guess when I say I'm a little shocked, I mean, Christian Mena had a pretty stinking good, you know, year, uh, Jake eater. We've talked about him a lot here the last few weeks and, uh, th- there's some, uh, pretty big expectations, for uh, him once he gets his, uh, you know, gets himself stretched out and ready to go again. But yeah, man, uh, I guess I can see where you're coming from. Uh, it's just kind of tough at the moment to see that. But eh, if they're going to give him the latitude, we'll give him the latitude. I'm with it. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, uh, you know, you know, it didn't go so well for him at the end of the year last year. But then again, it's also the longest season of his life. So I, I, I get it. You know, um, he hasn't. He hasn't done it yet, you know, so uh, it's going to take him some time to assimilate and we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the top tools in the system first. And then uh, last, I will bring up the uh, 2027 lineup that they are projecting, uh, which is (laughs) interesting. Um, All right. So top tools. Because I dropped it into that. Go ahead and make that a little bigger there. Best hitter for now. Here is where it gets weird. Okay. Best hitter for average. Now, what White Sox fans have seen from Jacob Gonzalez would not suggest this. However, <laughs> their best tools, best hitter for average is Jacob Gonzalez. And I, I find this to be very interesting, uh, considering the season that they that he had 
even if it was only a month, uh, because that speaks volumes about what is in the system, in my opinion, is that they do not have the utmost confidence in uh, bat-to-ball skill set. Uh, from the White Sox system, which well, is that's not that's not to take anything away from Jake Gonzalez. Either. No, take that one month away, and his bat to ball is pretty good. Fine, <clears throat> yeah, but uh, again, you know, you got a guy that's doing it in Double A, <laughs> and then you've got True. a guy who comes to Single A and struggles for a month. You know what I'm saying? That's that's my only mm-hmm. that's my only comment on the whole thing. Uh, best power, and here's here's a, another thing best power hitter in the system george wolkow kid is massive he's pretty big boy yeah real big dude he's got nice bat speed when he hits the ball it goes far um you know it's just gonna be one of those things where he's gonna have to work through the bat bat on you know bat to ball skill um not that i'm saying that I don't think that he could be the best power hitter. I just find it kind of odd that in twenty going into twenty twenty four that they're already projecting that for him. Uh, when you've got other guys, you know, Brian Ramos, I think won it in twenty twenty three, or not won it, but was named, you know, as a top tool. I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was Brian Ramos. Could be wrong. Yeah, that's the thing about Wokow is you know he's he's a big boy. I think he, he, if you look at him and you put him next to Gavin Sheets and you go ah. There's some similar looks, but they are not similar players. Gavin Sheets' bat to ball was pretty impeccable, and everybody thought he was going to hit for major power. And when he tried to turn the power up, the bat to ball went away. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you keep on trying to project onto a player what they are uh, without actually considering their skill set. It turns out that it doesn't work so well. Shocker. Um, Hmm. Strike zone discipline. Colson Montgomery. Not a surprise there. Uh, fastest base no. runner, Terrell Tatum. Not so much of a surprise there. Um, yeah. We, uh, you know, you don't have James Beard to kick around anymore, so uh, Terrell Tatum gets that uh, distinction. Um, best athlete, Colson Montgomery. Okay. Best fastball, Jordan Leisure. Looks real good. Looked fantastic in the uh, Arizona Fall League. Looked great for the Knights. I'll take it. Best curveball, Peyton Paulette. I can, I can do with that. Uh, Noah Schultz with the best slider. Can't argue with that either. Uh, seen some left-handed hitters just diving out of the way to get out, you know, what they thought was going to hit them, and it ends up going right across the outside corner of the plate. So it's it's nasty. Uh, Nick Nestrini, best changeup, best control, Mason Adams. Uh, no arguments from either of those. Nestrini's changeup is fantastic. Mason Adams controls Pretty stinking phenomenal. And uh, if you don't know who Mason Adams is, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, or X, if you will, uh, look up Mason Adams. Um, he is a uh, he's a guy, in my opinion. Um, he is, indeed. He gets out, and that's the kind of guy I like. Uh, best defensive catcher, Adam Hackenberg. Uh, best defensive infielder, Brooks Baldwin. Um Absolutely crazy. Uh, Brooks Baldwin is uh, guy said guy uh, you know that's calling the game is talking about Brooks Baldwin and saying that yeah he's a he's you know he's an okay infielder because he's starting at first base or, or because he had started at first base the night before 
next night he's the short starting shortstop, making diving plays at shortstop. Uh, it's it's another guy. If you don't know, go look. Looking yeah, good. plenty of video. Yeah, uh, best infield arm. Wes Kath checks in. Um, he made some Not strides. There either. Yeah, he made some strides this year defensively. Um, the bat is still a work in progress, and you know I'm hoping that the kid can uh, can figure it out because uh, he's got some crazy. Well, he's definitely power. got a gun. Yeah, he does. He's got a good arm. He's got a good glove, and he can hit the ball hard. It's just uh, I think his his batting approach is is the thing that's going to take the most time. Uh, best defensive outfielder Jacob Burke. Yes. Uh, if you haven't, uh, we, we're, we've been talking about videos. Ian keeps mentioning that uh, there's plenty of video on uh, of video. our Twitter, our Twitter page at Daily White Sox. Beeflow forgot uh, about West Cath. Don't forget about West Cath. West Cath. He, Jacob he, Burke. You know he'll. Sorry. Go ahead. Let's hope. Let's hope West Cath figures it out. You know the the bat's been a little slow coming. You know, but um, <clears throat> he wants to. Well, do approach well. seems to be the 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 new attack as far as what we're being told right now that's yeah. the coaching staff is going to attack the uh the approach for basically every level they want guys to go see more of hitters pitches instead of pitchers pitches and uh wait for you know wait for your pitch it sounds like cliche it sounds like a little league thing where you know you you got 9 year olds going up there and the coaches are saying hey wait for your pitch but you know, you got to be honest. After watching these White Sox the last few years chasing all kinds of crap outside of the zone just because they can get a bat on it, and you're that good to get a bat on it, that's fantastic. You're awesome. You have great skill set. But now why don't you wait for one that you can actually hit and do something with instead yep. of trying to just fight one off and fight one through? And uh, that's pretty much what they're preaching here. Yep. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully guys like Wes Kath and, and others can uh, capitalize on that that you know, mindset, Let's hope. but just getting back to uh, Jacob Burke a little bit, you know, like I was saying, when we talk about video, if you haven't seen this guy throw the leather around, yeah. you definitely, definitely need to go watch the video of him. He is outstanding in the field. He's a lot of fun. It's like I said, he is indeed. A you lot know how fun. they say that, uh, you know, sometimes free safeties in football, uh, they call them center fielders. He's like a free safety out in the outfield, you know? Does the same thing. He's out there, you know, just sees everything from center field, just goes and gets the ball. Doesn't matter where it is, he's he's on it. So um, Yeah. Great jump, great first step, great reads. And uh if he can get a piece of leather on it, it's staying in the glove. Yes indeed. All right, so here's the twenty twenty seven projected lineup for your Chicago White Sox. Uh, at catcher, you have Edgar Caro, first base, Andrew Vaughn. Um, second base, Jacob Gonzalez. Th- uh, third base, Brian Ramos. Shortstop, Colson Montgomery. Left field, Andrew Benintendi. Luis Robert Jr. in center. Oscar Colas in right. And designated hmm. hitter is Eloy Jimenez. Uh, Jimenez, sorry. Um Number one starter, Dylan Cease, still. Number two starter, Michael Kopech. Okay. Pardon? Uh, Number three, Noah Schultz. Number four, Nick Nestrini. Number five, Jake Eater. And your closer is Gregory Santos. I have... (laughs) 
<laughs> some things to like. I just <laughs> Michael Kopech is the number two starter. Apparently, um, Brian Bannister. I was just gonna say has worked some wonders, and uh, we now have gotten the aggressive, young, angry, uh, powerlifting Michael Kopech back. And uh, he has uh, tamed his control issues. He is now the number two. Um, yeah, that one I find odd. Uh, also, I mean, Dylan Cease still still here in 2027. Hmm? Hmm? I guess so. Uh, I mean, I don't know how that is. Jerry Reinsdorf still here. I, I, I mean, I, they must be thinking he's going to kick it. Before 2027, because yeah, a new owner. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf re-signing a pitcher, and and apparently a guy who is uh, ace <laughs> number one in your rotation. Yeah, I. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know the the stuff up top. Um, you know, I'm not going to yay or nay it. Sure, why not? Uh. I know that uh, the the Oscar Colas thing. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how things go uh, now that he's got uh, Mark Payton down there in AAA to uh, show him what's what, and uh, and then when he comes back up to the majors, he's got uh, Sizemore here to uh, also tell him what he needs to do. Um, yeah, that one's kind of questionable. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I don't really see. Uh, anything too crazy out of there. But, uh, you know, again, you know, you've got so many prospects on here. You don't know who's going to, who's going to be the guy that's going to rise above. I mean, it could be a couple of guys on here that, you know, a couple of guys that aren't on here that decide to pop themselves into it. Uh, I did send, uh, George Wolkow, the, uh, the top tools list that he popped on. And, uh, you know, his reply was, uh, just got to get myself on that 2027 list now. So he's ready to go. Uh, he's going to be rearing and ready to swing. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Good for him. Good for him. You know, uh, again, I think my biggest thing is, is you know, obviously the remaining players that, that we know and have, have, have uh, seen, you know, some uh, MLB service time from, uh, are, are, you know, players that we thought were going to be players of consequence at, at some point, right? Uh, and, you know, there's a part of me that thinks they still can be with the right kind of direction. <clears throat> so, you know, maybe, maybe Baseball America is on to something where they feel like uh, the new coaching staff and the additional hires and and the additional bodies and personnel that are there to, I don't know, coddle these guys, light fires under these guys. You know, well, you know, some of them might need. They're there to give direction. Right. And that's the thing, you know, uh, I I feel like maybe just maybe somebody's buying into what the White Sox are selling right now. And obviously that uh, that 2027 list is, is just names that are part of the organization now. You know, of course, over the course of the next three years or so uh there's going to be some moves made obviously the white Sox aren't going to stand completely pat you know we might we might get some more uh <laughs> some more of these one and two million dollar off-season signings in between every now and again so 
who knows if that list stays the same if those guys are all part of the organization so yeah, yeah there's that you mean you're telling you mean to tell me max Stassi didn't make that list you know that's that's actually shocking uh you figured that they would have put out an update once that uh that blockbuster happened uh, right <laughs> so you speak about these uh these two million dollar deals um I'm going to go ahead and uh, <laughs> bring up our friend, uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, oh, when you said friend, I thought you were talking about the puppers. Uh, well, I mean, his uh, apparently his name is Dodger. So that's why he didn't want anybody mm. knowing what his dog's name was. So uh, I, maybe he didn't want to show that there was some favoritism there, uh, you know. Um, oh please everybody and their brother i don't even know why this thing was so long drawn out everybody and their brother knew for the last two years he was i mean it was said uh <laughs> officer Dewey says if they don't screw up the farm system they will be big contenders very very soon i we'll see yeah i hope so we'll see i mean i mean i hope so but i mean i, don't, you know. <laughs> I love your optimism yeah um i really do so speaking of two million dollar deals, uh, Shohei Otani <laughs> signs a seven hundred million dollar ten year contract. Today it's nice. announced that he will be making two million dollars a year for the next ten years. That would also be nice. And uh, I mean, sure, fine, two million dollars, nothing to, <laughs> nothing to, you know, shake a stick at, you know, for a, a normal guy. Um, a regular Joe like yeah. me. Um, but uh, after his contract's up, he will make $68 million a year for the next 10 years. And uh, as also you nice. went on a rant earlier. Uh, yeah, sorry. Can't help myself, man. <laughs> the collective the bargaining uh, amount that the Dodgers are going to get hit for on this $70 million deal, which is reduced down to $2 million is coming in at $46 million per season on the uh, on the payroll. So here's, here's, here's a question. Um, so if it's coming in at $46 million now for the next 10 years, right, and he's only getting $2 million, uh, and you're saying that it only comes in at 46 what about the 10 years on the deferral are they going to get hit for dollars on their payroll for the next 10 because they're still paying out that money? I mean, I don't think they will, but I mean, if it's dropping their their penalty or, you know, the amount that they're getting charged for a guy that's making $70 million, if it's dropping it that much, are they right. going to get hit on the backside? <laughs> I don't Smack believe they the do backside. because they, I, you know, I'm no accountant and I, I would probably need to take some sort of short math class to figure out the, uh, the inner workings of this contract, but the way it's been kind of roughly explained in some of the articles and tweets or that I've seen or posts, if you will, uh, it, they average it out, and it almost seems like they're trying to average it out according to inflation over the course of the full term. And that $70 million over the course of the full term plays out to $46 million in today's money. I, I'm not really sure how that works. Are they using some sort of 
there's got to be some sort of uh you know inflation creative. like a set inflation multiplier yeah. of like I, I don't really know but I, if that's the case i would assume that that ends at the end of the original 10 year deal and not the 10 years of deferred payments yeah I, that's just an assumption of mine yeah that's one thing that i have not looked into yet uh mostly because uh he is on the dodgers and i don't care um but yeah, uh, again, just, like just I said earlier, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I am kind of really give a shit. Um, with them doing that, if there is any kind of penalty on the backside, um, you know, and as you said, you know, there is going to be room in their payroll for them to shore up the pitching, maybe uh, send some guys to the White Sox for a Dylan Cease. You know, well, and you know, that's the thing. I mean, we look at and everybody's been talking since this thing has gone down about uh, their lineup, their starting lineup. Right. And, and the monsters that are there you know, with him and, you know, Mookie and just, you know, they've got a, a, a real battery of hitters. Right. Yep. But their starting rotation is kind of garbage. I mean, look at look I, at this though. You've got Walker Bueller on his way back. You've got uh, Dustin May on his way back. Um, Urias got launched because of uh, you know smacking around his lady friend. Um, well, yeah, what a shame that guy looked like he was going to be an absolute stud. Yeah, uh, it's you know, obviously that's a you know that whole situation in general's garbage to begin with, but. Um, you know, yes, yeah, it, something I'd rather not get into. Yeah, but, I don't you know, want to get right, into that either. But I mean, you know, you know, right? I, I, I'm, I'm with pitcher. you. He's gone. Um, you know, uh, they have traded some some of their guys that are, uh, you know, uh, a la Nick Nestrini. Um, traded some of their starting pitching, but they still do have a very good farm system, um, and. Clayton Kershaw, you know, he was uh, pretty banged up to end the year. He's supposed to be, you know, at least uh, he's, he hasn't signed with them again yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if he came back, uh, even if it was like the back half of the season after he got back into pitching shape and whatever. Um, yeah, there's a lot of miles on that arm, though. Yeah, but he, I mean, did you see really him last see. year? He was still good until his body fell apart, you know, until he got hurt. And then well, and that's my point, him, you know. know? That's my point. At, at, at this point in his career, is, does he really bounce back? And if he does, does he bounce back for you know full season or a good enough a chunk of a season to make your rotation yeah. something that is uh, viable? You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's there's, I'm question. just saying that I maybe I'm, I'm not saying it's like the worst rotation in baseball, no, but no. there's a lot of question marks hanging around that. that there are starting pitching for even them. even Walker Bueller and. Uh, uh, Jacob May. No, no, Derek May. Uh, not Derek. Derek May. May. Uh, Sorry. Is it Derek May? What the heck's his name? Something May. Uh, the ginger. Uh, Carrot Top. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's, there, there is some, there is some talent there. We'll see, you know, obviously what we're looking at right now, just like with the White Sox, what Dustin, you see right now, uh, Dustin May. There you go. That's what you it. see right now ah, on the 26-man list on uh, Dodgers.com is not what you're going to see when they head into spring training, just like the White Sox. This is going to be completely different when they go in. Um, 
uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. You can find uh, this podcast. Uh, you can also hang out with us on uh, Monday nights on twitch.tv backslash White Sox Daily. Uh, you can hang out on our YouTube page. Uh, we are also streaming on our Facebook page, uh, White Sox Daily. Just go ahead and search us up. You'll find us uh, at Daily White Sox on the Twitter slash X. Um, if you can't find us, you ain't looking. True. Uh, At least you're not looking hard enough. Yeah. Uh, any White Sox minor league uh, related uh, type person, or even White Sox for that matter, if you want to see highlights, hop on our account. There's lots of video. And uh, if you're looking, you'll find us. If you do a search on a White Sox player, odds are you'll probably see our videos coming up at the top of the list. Uh, thank you for watching tonight. If you are watching us on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, um, Thank you for following us. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for commenting. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Um, Indeed. You can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcast. You can also find it on our uh, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. Uh, we appreciate you guys. We will talk to you guys next week. Hopefully there's something uh, relatively interesting to talk about. My name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller. You guys have a great night, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Night.